No podcast today where we would be recording a podcast, but sorry, we don't have one because a lion ate the street. That's just what happens when you live in Florida, where random things just happen at any time. I am your host, SP Nations, JP Acosta. You can find me on Twitter, at Acosta32 underscore JP, yada, yada, yada. I write about football and all that other jazz, which you will find out of, over the course of this wonderful podcast we have. And I am joined by four of the smartest people that I know when it comes to football. Starting over in the top left corner, we have Tyler Fornis, the editor at Vikings Wire on USA Today, and also noted Viking. Tyler, how you doing? Well, uh, I'm doing a little bit better than Kirk Cousins' Cousins' Achilles tendon right now, but I, I'm really just excited to laugh at Kevin here for the next however long we record. Awesome. We all, we all know we can laugh at Kevin. We'll introduce Kevin last because that's what well that's what he deserves. But up next, we have the king of the spreadsheet himself, host Chargers podcast, anywhere where this where all-star games are. If you need anything about a college football player at all, they, he probably knows more about this player than the actual player. Alex Katzen, how you doing? What's up, dude? I'm doing good. Uh, excited to uh, finally actually be recording this <laughs> after a year and a half of talking about doing it. So uh, stoked, yeah. Well, fun. you know, we, we had to really get all the ideas cooking. We had to get it yeah. flowing. We had we had to really make sure we had a podcast before we actually never actually recorded this podcast. This is never going to show up on your feed because there is no podcast today. We also have AJ Schulte, who is probably the smartest person I know when it comes to scouting, comes to the management of college and the NFL game. Also a Daughtry stand like myself. AJ, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. It feels good to be recording. I think it's been like a year since my last podcast, so I'm I'm stoked, so excited to be here. Oh yeah, we're dipping into the modern age right now. We have finally made our way into 2023, and Kevin's here too. Hey, Kevin. <laughs> right as he was taking a sip, <laughs> and you didn't. Even- he, he waited for that. JP waited for him to take that sip. <laughs> I just, I just have to say that I'm so glad AJ or JP said I'm one of the smartest people he knows. I knew as soon as, as soon as I said it, I wanted to try and take it back. I was I, counting. I, I was like one, two, three. Hang on. I immediately I, regretted it. I, I really wanted to like interrupt right there and go, "Aw, thanks, JP." But I was like, "Let's try and not do that." In the first five minutes of an episode. No, I. Kevin is one of the smartest people when it comes to. Anything in the college football world, editor at Kansas State's 24, not 24 7, rivals. rivals, rivals, not 24 7. Don't want to get you into a whole bidding war. I don't want to get you into that trouble. But we are here to talk football, kind of, and everything else, kind of. But of course, you won't hear that because there is no podcast. So we're going to start off with the noteworthy news of the day, which is Josh McDaniels finding out that he was fired after seeing 12 missed calls from his workplace. The Raiders fired head coach Josh McDaniels, general manager Dave Ziegler, after a year and a half 
on the job, which feels incredibly funny. But overall, what do you think? What do you guys think this kind of says about the the overall vibes of the Raiders and Mark Davis in general? I'm gonna start with you, Tyler. Man, it's if only we could have seen this coming. It's like it's like this might have happened once before. Oh, it did. It did in Denver. Like I, you, I thought McDaniel's might have learned something from his first failure. He really tried to be that hard ass like Bill Belichick, and it didn't work. And the thing with these Belichick disciples is when they try to emulate Bill Belichick, it just comes off as kind of like a cheap imitation. And he apparently didn't learn enough because he got fired in less time than he did in Denver. And look, this team's not good. They picked Jimmy Garoppolo over Derek Carr, which somehow they're worse. And Derek Carr is not exactly good, but then you gave him a contract. Hey, he's got a foot thing. So then you wait forever to, and then you mess with the contract and then you're in a good spot. If he stinks, you can get rid of him for a cheap dead cap it next year. Oh wait, then you restructure and make it 10 times worse. It's nearly $30 million. If you want to get rid of him after the 2023 season and man, the Raiders, they just can't do anything right. Since John Gruden got traded to the Bucks. it's, you can talk about a lot of different things, but I think ownership ownership's bad. Like, like th- there are jokes when uh, the Las Vegas aces won the WNBA title. Mark Davis just seems to be a WNBA owner and sell the Raiders because that's the only way at this point, I think they're going to get fixed. It sucks for their fan base. Who's arguably the most passionate in the league that their team is just, a dumpster fire year after year for whatever reason. Yeah. And like what Tyler was talking about, one of the main issues was the offense that completely fell off a cliff, despite having the NFL's leading rusher from 2022 and Devonte Adams, who was still considered one of the five best receivers in football. AJ, what do you, what did you see when you saw kind of the, the offensive ineptitude of the Raiders just, Overall, was it more play calling? Was it just they don't have the talent? Or was it just a fatal flaw at the quarterback spot? I think it's a combination, a little bit of all three. Um, because last year, you know, we had talked about this in the offseason. The Raiders offense had, had a little bit of fun elements to it, right? There was some some aspects of like the fullback running game and things like that. Like they were breaking out a lot of concepts. And we were like, oh, okay, this is this is pretty enjoyable. I I think part of it was Derek Carr's presence. I think because Derek Carr is willing to throw the ball down the field significantly more than Jimmy Garoppolo, I think that opened up a lot for Josh Jacobs. Uh, just it, not even in terms of just like, like just presence of mind defensively. Like you have to account that Derek Carr on any given down is probably just going to go find Devontae Adams and throw him the football. And Jimmy, and Jimmy Garoppolo is not the same kind of aggressive thrower. So defensively, you can tee off a little bit more on Jimmy Garoppolo, who's already again limited. He's he's been battling injuries pretty much all season, and, he, and finally everything just kind of caught up to him. And mentally, it, Jimmy Garoppolo was making terrible throws against the, the Lions on Monday night, and we were like, at what point like the rookie might be better just because this guy has been in the league since 2014 and he's still making seemingly rookie level mistakes. Yeah, it just felt like with Jimmy, you weren't going to get any much better. You know, the hope was in the offseason with 
the amount of work that Jimmy Garoppolo did in 21 personnel when it came to being on the 49ers, even in his time with New England, you could see like, hey, maybe there's something there with the familiarity, but he wasn't even getting Devontae Adams the ball. And then when you can't get the best guy on your team the ball, that's a problem. And it's not just a Jimmy G problem. It's a Josh McDaniels problem. It felt like this season, even though last year they were able to get Devontae Adams the ball, it didn't matter what what else was happening last season. I think it was because of Derek Carr. Like, if nobody got me, Devontae Adams got me. And just like it was the it was really like fuck it, Devontae Adams down there somewhere. But Jimmy G can't do that. There was a couple of throws against um Detroit on Monday where he just airmailed two of them. The stop and go, uh, where he just to- just toasted Emmanuel Mosley and Jimmy Garoppolo overthrew him by 15 yards. It's it was a perfect encapsulation of what the Raiders were. Yeah, and I also think part of it um is a little bit of McDaniels like fracturing the locker room in, in a sense. I mean, you guys remember the NFL Players Association survey that came out in the offseason and Josh McDaniels was the lowest rated coach and the whole staff was really the whole staff they was cooked was, that man. They really did. I mean, it was like a I think it was either a D minus or just a flat out F on the survey. Um, and then the whole drama with Darren Waller, like everything just kind of, and his eventual departure, everything like that, that happened with Josh McDaniels, really the sense of chemistry that had kind of carried them with Derek Carr and Devonte Adams and, and Darren Waller just wasn't there at all. It's so far this season and Josh McDaniels just hasn't found a way to set or didn't, sorry, he doesn't have a chance anymore of salvaging the kind of locker room chemistry that had really kind of carried the Raiders offense through most of it. Yeah, and I'm gonna go over to Katzen and Kevin. One of the things that kind of wait, stunned wait, me. Wait, real quick, JP. I, I did find the NFLPA report card, and the the part about Josh McDaniels is, quote, player respondents felt that head coach Josh McDaniels is less likely to listen to his players and keeps them for longer hours than other head coaches around the league. League hours are not correlated to winning, as seven of the top eight coaches rated as being most efficient with their players' time in the 2022 survey Excuse me, made the playoffs this year. So I do wonder, um, one of the things that kind of surprised me with the entire firing was that Dave Ziegler was also canned in the middle of the night with Josh McDaniels. Like, I don't know if it was surprising because Dave Ziegler was doing a good job. It was more surprising that, like, they're doing a clean sweep in the middle of the season. Do you guys think this says anything more about just, just Ziegler overall just being a bad GM or them really want just want to get a head start on the entire process? I think yeah. it's getting the Patriots out of the building. Uh, the the Patriot way, yeah. the Bill Belichick philosophy and starting clean. What really fascinates me is did Tom Brady already pay for his portion of the Raiders? Because how in the world is Mark Davis affording this right now? I think <laughs> I, I think the Tom Brady sale never ended up going through. I, yeah, I, think, I think I think there was a thing about that never actually going through for yeah. yeah, or deliberated, whatever, because the owners have to approve anything like that. And I think what the biggest uh issue is I think he was paying 175 million for 10%. And that's a massive undervaluation because the Raiders theoretically could go for like six billion right now. Like the commanders with that absolute dumpster fire of a stadium got $6 billion from Josh Harris. You don't think somebody's going to buy the Raiders for that much. 
So especially right in Vegas with a new stadium. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the theory was, well, if uh, he sells portion of the team to Tom Brady for 10% and makes it like more valuable and having his him in the ownership group makes it more valuable, but it was probably just a cheap cash flow. Yeah. (laughs) Nothing about the Raiders ever makes sense. I'm sure Katzen knows being a Chargers fan and having to see that team twice a year, nothing about that team makes sense. But where do you think they go like from here, especially with, you know, Champ Kelly as the new interim GM and Antonio Pierce being the interim head coach, which says good things for Jim Harbaugh, because apparently if you get away with a legal activity at the college level, you will get a head coaching job. Yeah. You know, like I think the, the main directive here for Kelly and for Pierce and for everyone else involved in this is just like, come up with a plan of any sort. Like it doesn't even have to be a good plan necessarily, but just like have a plan um, cause like you alluded to JP, like with Ziegler getting fired mid season, we almost never see general managers get fired in the middle of the season. And, uh, Vic Tafer put out an article on the athletic, uh, today about like why they decided to go that direction. And it basically just sounded like at every step of the way, like Ziegler and McDaniels just didn't have a plan for what they were doing. You trade for Devonte Adams so that he can play with his best friend. And then you cut his best friend because Ziegler signs him to a contract that has a no trade clause. So you can't trade him anywhere. You have to cut him in order to get rid of him. Uh, you sign Darren Waller to this huge extension. And then eight months later, you trade him to the Giants because Josh McDaniels didn't get invited to his wedding. <laughs> like, And then like you sign Hunter Renfro to this huge extension with Mark Davis's money as Dave Ziegler. And he's not on the field. Like he's just stopped playing. He, I don't know if that guy plays NFL football anymore. And then like, and then in that article from, from Tafer today, you had reports that like teams wanted to trade for Renfro, but like they, and it ended up falling through because they don't want to pay all the money that's on that extension. And so like, there's no, every step of the way, there's just no plan from the guys that just got fired in the middle of the night here. Um, And so I think for, for champ Kelly and for Antonio Pierce and everyone else, like still in that building, it's just like find any plan at all. And I think that's a big reason why they're starting O'Connell this week. Um, And hopefully for the rest of the season is like, you need to figure out if you have something there. Um, And then just like, if you do, then you can move forward. And if you don't, then it's, you know, like you're probably going to end up with a pretty high pick and you can pivot to a new rookie quarterback and just like start over with something that resembles competence. Yeah. And, you, you brought up a really good point with Aiden O'Connell starting, and now they have a new offensive coordinator. Kevin, I do want to know some of your kind of preliminary thoughts on O'Connell. And do you, if you think, like, he was a fifth-round pick, and he looked, re- he looked really good in fourth-round pick, and he looked really good in the preseason. But now it's like this is real football against, like, I'm not going to say real teams because they play the Giants next. but Giants and, and Giants, Jets. Giants and the Jets. So it's not going to be, like, real football teams, but it'll be, like, Real enough. The Jets' defense is real enough. I think the thing is, like, the Raiders just needed to get another body in there. Like, you, you can't just keep running with Jimmy G. Like, if it's going to be Brian Hoyer, if it's going to be Aiden O'Connell, like, play someone else. Try someone else there. And Aiden O'Connell, like, at this point, in the NFL, like, actual regular season games he's had, he just hasn't really impressed me. And I get it, he's, like, a fifth or sixth round rookie. Like, it's incredibly difficult to fourth oh my god he was a fourth round rookie um but like as a fourth round rookie like you're not expected to impress as the starting quarterback of a football team especially when that football team has no coherent offensive plan as i think we've mentioned at nauseum but 
the the problem that I have right now with the Raiders is that if you look at their past drafts, I think dating back to like the draft that they picked Max Crosby and uh, Josh Jacobs, they have not picked up anyone who is considered like really dang good at football. And you look at this past draft, like Tyree Wilson has what one sack. Matthew Mayer is averaging like a hundred or has like 115 receiving yards the entire year hell of a punt gunner though yeah hell of a hell, hell of a punt gunner but they're not using the guy on offense even though they drafted him in, on day two of the nfl draft i it, it goes back to like i don't know if they had a plan i think they were just picking off of vibes and every time they picked off vibes they picked the wrong vibe uh which is incredibly impressive but it's also i think probably uh indictment on like the quote-unquote patriots way that everyone has tried to emulate since belichick won all the super bowls you look at miami hiring brian flores you look at and i I, like miami has its own problems with stephen ross that we can go into for i think an entire episode one day uh you have the detroit Lions with matt patricia like everyone tries to hire the patriots head guy and it just doesn't work because you can't emulate what bill belichick had because you don't also have tom brady in the room well, they have Tom Brady in the stands in the press box. <laughs> you know, I think that's a little unfair tangent to Brian Flores because I thought he did a pretty good it job isn't. considering. It isn't because look at look at the offensive staffs that he built in Miami. Chan Gailey, George Godsey, Eric Studsville, Charlie Fry was the quarterback coach one year. He never hired an offensive staff that was worthwhile. And it's not a surprise that the minute Mike McDaniel walked in that room, he said, I don't want to keep any of these guys. Uh, besides, I think he kept Studsville or Godsey because they're like a good running back. I think it was Studsville who he kept because he's a good running back coach. But he came in and he cleaned house offensively down to like hiring an experienced offensive line coach, which Mike, which Brian Flores never had. But like you can't hire the Patriots guy and expect the Patriots what you could hire the Patriots guy and expect him to be his own dude and try and build his own like culture and locker room but don't hire the Patriots staff expecting the Patriots way it's just not going to work well what about if you hire uh, an Adam Gase disciple um, because (laughs) they named Bo Hardigree their interim offensive coordinator despite having Scott Turner as the passing game coordinator who had gotten blood from a stone with Carson Wentz and Taylor (laughs) Heineke as his quarterbacks in Washington my my other question with Adam Gase disciple in Bo Hardigree as their interim offensive player. Well, counterpoint to that, they're real serious about tanking. That's, that's <laughs> true, the only, that's the only that's point. point. Like you, you can't hire Adam Gase is make, perfect for that. You thing. Can't Anything make related Turner. to that man. You can't Mike. make Scott Turner play. Let him call plays because then he's going to actually like get them to a point where they can win games. <laughs> they're going to win seven games, and <laughs> Mark Davis is going to be sitting there. Ah, shit. Mark Davis had every assistant print out their family tree, and if there were any <laughs> NFL coaches on there, he said, "No, you can't call plays. Get out of here. <laughs> you can get, get out of my office if you have like, any familiar bloodline." But, but but my question is like, how pissed is Patrick Graham right now? Given that he's like worked his ass off for years to try and get a head coaching job. And then there's an opportunity for him to actually like be the interim head coach for half a season. And they go, hey, Antonio Pierce, we know you messed up in college and almost gave Arizona State a whole bunch of uh, sanctions that they couldn't come back from. But you want to coach an NFL team now? Not for 10 games. I'll, like I'll be honest. Outside of, hey, Pierce getting it over Graham, which in, in a vacuum is bad process. It's relatively normal to not hire a coordinator as either a guy who needs to step in right away or be an interim, because then you're not disrupting the coordinators. A lot of times it'll be the special teams coach. It'll be a position guy. Like that's standard procedure. So 
outside um, of you know being in like a vacuum, what, being unfair, it's fine. It's speaking, like what Rich speaking of the yes, yeah, speaking of the special teams thing, they should have just kept Rich Passaccio when he yeah, I was gonna say like that yeah. was really yeah. damn good in that half season, and they were like, nah, you know what? Too good. Let's try this instead. And not only not only that, it's the players very clearly responded in a positive manner to Rich Passaccia. And now a couple years later, you have the NFLPA report saying, like, yeah, this guy freaking sucks and nobody <laughs> likes to play for him. But it is like in terms of like when you're talking about their drafting, it's really bad when you go from Mike Mayock drafting and don't get any better. Because the bar is in hell with Mike Mayock and you didn't get any better. JP, real quick, can I name this year's draft class? Because it is awful, and I have this pulled up. It is Tyree Wilson, yeah, Michael Mayer, great. Byron Young, Trey Tucker, Jacorian Bennett, Aiden O'Connell, Christopher Smith, Amari Bernie, and Nesta Jade Silvera. That is their entire draft class. And how many of those guys would we say right now is like, must start NFL players. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's well, I think Jacorian Bennett is a must start because there's nobody else on the <laughs> yeah, roster. So Jacorian Bennett has him. been starting, but that's not because he's, he's not a must because start player. Like, Isn't Amari Bernie starting too? He's starting Probably. because uh, yeah. I think one of their linebackers got hurt in the Detroit. Masterson game. got hurt. Or Masterson something, got right? hurt, and I think Diablo didn't play. So, so, so outside of the guys who are starting, because well, they've got no other options, and someone's got to be playing that position. How many of those guys would we say on like an average NFL team would we go? He would be a must-start player after what we've seen through what nine games of their rookie season. Zero. I think this kind of goes to the point with Ziegler getting fired. Is pretty much all of his gambits did not pay off. Yeah. Right. Like the Derek Carr contract extension, they had to literally bench Derek Carr at the end of the year so they wouldn't have to pay him the money. And then the Chandler Jones, like they drafted Tyree Wilson so he could sit behind it, kind of rotate with Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. And then you have all of that where Chandler Jones does not get along with anybody in the building, all the drama that goes on with there that I won't, you know, touch on and get into. And like all of those gambits didn't pay off the Hunter Renfro extension. Like we talked about earlier, all of these things, like even if they had a semblance of a plan, they totally backfired. And I think that was part of the reason why he just, he could not stay any longer. The other part, it's, it's bad process to me that they couldn't wait. I think playing on Monday night, kind of screwed the timing up with this. Yeah. Yeah. Cause everybody, everybody, everybody saw it. That's the biggest thing. I think, they probably, if that game were on like a 1 p.m. on Sunday, they probably wouldn't have been fired. It probably, I, would, I don't I, think they would have been fired if it was like a 1 p.m. Sunday game. It The fact that it was like prime time and everybody saw how bad this team was, I think that kind of sped up the little the process. They were probably get fired at the end of the year. But. Uh, my point was more like they got screwed in terms of the trade deadline. Yeah. Expiring yeah. because... If it, like if to your point, if it was a Sunday night game, you have Monday now where you're you actively getting involved in calls. The fact that they waited until what was it like two a.m. Eastern, one a.m. Yeah. and fired him like not even a full twelve hours after the trade deadline expired. It's, it's just really bad timing, you know. I just I just think the thing that was like, I think that they probably wanted to give them his the these next two games because they're both winnable games, like the Giants and the Jets even with Jimmy G or whoever is starting at quarterback, like those are still winnable games because the Giants have you and I starting at left tackle and right tackle. 
the Jets are. Well, the Jets and like the Jets are four and three, man. Okay, uh, congratulations on being four and three because you beat, beat Tommy Tito, man. I Congrats. <laughs> Respect the most Italian man in the sport, Tommy. He sucks. <laughs> respect america's favorite italian but like i think i think they wanted to give uh mcdaniels these next two games but it was like as jp said when you lose on monday night everyone saw it yeah. everyone watched the game and watched you get publicly embarrassed and you not can't only go lose but have your best player like publicly throw tan a tantrum yeah and like both Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs were asked like how to fix the offense, and they were like, "Shit, man, I don't know. I don't get paid to do that." Yeah, Josh Jacobs was like, "That's not my job, bro. I don't get paid for that." Yeah. Oh, and it's so funny. It's so funny that Josh Jacobs said that. With everything that happened to Josh Jacobs in the offseason, hell yeah, take take your money and go. Be like, it's not my problem. That is above me now. But but there's also take hits. There's also the Devontae Adams. Didn't he like? During the week, they asked him like, "How do how do you fix the offense?" He goes, "Throw me the ball." Yeah, he <laughs> like, did that a couple I mean, weeks ago. That was a couple weeks ago. He's yeah. publicly asking for targets, and it's not Chase Claypool asking for targets in Chicago. And you're like, "Shut up, Chase." No one asked for your opinion on this, but like Devontae Adams is arguably the best wide receiver in football when he's like actually being thrown the football. And they're like, "Nah, Jacoby Myers, yes, that's where fair, we're going to throw the football." To be fair, they did throw him the ball on Monday. It just wasn't couldn't true. hit him. Yeah. Just couldn't hit him. Like it was the ninth. There was a play where I think again Emmanuel Mosley got toasted in coverage on a go route. Devontae Adams had a surefire 98-yard touchdown. Jimmy G throws it to Saginaw instead yeah. of to Devontae Adams. Speaking of uh <laughs> speaking of not being able to hit him, should we talk about the Falcons? <laughs> Incredible transition because the Falcons have I guess they're the second biggest like personnel personnel move that's not non-trade deadline related this yeah. week. They have benched Desmond Ritter in favor of Taylor Heineke. It's been really weird, that entire circumstance, that entire process, because the Falcons lost 28-23 to the Will Levis-led Titans on Sunday. And Desmond Ritter, I think he only completed like nine passes for 72 yards, got, a, got hurt, was concussed, according to Arthur Smith. But then during the game, they said he was cleared, but then never came back in the game. Taylor Heineke came in and actually moved the ball. And but in after the game, Arthur Smith said, nah, he was con he was just uh he was cleared, but we were playing it safe. And now today he said Taylor Heineke will be the starter this week. Not the starter moving forward. It's just this week. This it's week. like the, it's like they're my biggest thing with Arthur Smith. And I'm gonna get to you guys, but Arthur Smith always seems like he's trying to outsmart everybody. Like he's like, oh, I'm one step ahead of you, Mr. FedEx Nepo baby. Just really out here trying to think two steps ahead. When it's not, it's not that deep. You don't have to try and draw up the most impressive play. You don't have to have Johnu Smith throwing the ball to tight end three or tight end one that you drafted with the fourth overall pick. It's fucking pass blocking. It's not that deep. You are not drawing a Picasso. You are not creating the Sistine Chapel. We just need you to color in between the lines right now. And he's not doing that. To be fair, Desmond Ritter also kind of stunk. Like that, he stunk out loud. It's not just like, I know people kind of talked off like, oh, the fumbles and the turnovers, those will kind of progress back to the mean. 
it's not though it's, it's like seven fumbles in three games so the thing is is that they are progressing back to the mean he leads the league in turnover worthy plays this is progressing back to the mean is him throw is him turning the ball over more he was getting lucky at the beginning of the year he threw like three picks to the packers that they dropped and it's like, like this is regressing the mean for him and i guess people looked at the fumbles like oh fumbles are real wonky which they are but one fumble is wonky two fumbles is wonky Seven fumbles is not like at that point, dog. You have baby hands. Tyler would know all about fumbles all this year. It's fumbleitis <laughs> everywhere. You need they to get. Tra- they should have traded Desmond Ritter to the Vikings. He would have fit in perfectly. Lord, no. I, mean, I, I will was... say on the Desmond Ritter front, um, the official injury report that I got emailed this afternoon, uh, his injury is game day concussion protocol evaluation. So he's technically still in the protocol. But they cleared him on Sunday. I'm I'm just saying it's that's the injury it says on there. That's what I'm saying. All of this, all of this has been so stupid and so (laughs) weird. It feels like the Falcons are trying to put one over on us when, like, no, we can all see he was bad. If you if you want to say he was bad, just say he was bad. I do think there were some people for uh, SB Nation's Atlanta Falcons site, they were saying that this was more of an Arthur Blank move than an Arthur Smith move, which to Ooh. some extent I kind of get because I know what we're about to say. I know what I'm about to say is probably going to get laughed at. But despite the fact that they lost, they can still make the playoffs because it's the NFC South. Yeah. Like at this point, yeah. they're still tied for first with the Saints, and they play the Saints on in November and January. So, and they beat the Bucks. They already beat the Bucks twice, so now you you're looking at it like if we can just get past the Saints, that January seventh game is probably going to be like a prime time because it's going to be the winner take all game in the division. But I'm 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 guessing if you're Arthur Arthur Blank, you're looking at this like oh we need to sell tickets for the playoffs. That first guy sucked. He's not <laughs> selling shit. We got to get the backup in here to try and get some energy in. And I think yeah. Arthur Smith was so. He he hitched his horse to yeah. Desmond Ritter. He, Terry Fontenot, ditched the horse to Desmond Ritter. You don't put out a statement saying we're not going after Lamar Jackson. It just to bench the guy that you're in favor of a few weeks, like a few weeks into the season. My thing is too, like going back to the whole the whole thing about like how this whole thing has been weird, is like I do agree that like this season they've hitched the horse to Ritter, but like if you were gonna do that coming into the season, why did it take until like week twelve to bench Marcus Mariota? Why didn't you just play him last season so that you like had any idea like what he was going to look like this year? It you could have avoided this whole thing. It was I think Arthur Smith wanted to roll with Mariota. Yeah. Again, this is like, what is he doing? <laughs> he doesn't know. He, Arthur Smith, again, we have to go back to the teams he had in Tennessee. He had Ryan Tannehill as his quarterback. He thought that was the best thing since sliced bread. The bar is not high. He yeah. saw Marcus Mariota pulling pulling read options and running for eight yards. I was like, oh, I need that. I need that. He saw Desmond Ritter's 36 and what four winning record at uh yeah. Cincinnati, where he hadn't he hadn't lost a home game in his entire career. It was like, yeah, that's a win. We need that guy. When it's just Ford two, two completely different sports. Arthur Smith is Arthur Smith is like the NFL's version of Wisconsin right now. <laughs> <laughs> they're trying they like they got marcus mariota in the building to try to like modernize the offense like wisconsin did with phil longo and it's just going terribly just like do the thing that worked for you before man it's but but it's, but here's here's my thing about atlanta like 
if this is an owner move, if this is an Arthur Blanc going, hey, man, we need to sell tickets. Why is the owner meddling in your business in week nine of the NFL season? Because you can't do your job. That's an, that's an inherent problem that the head coach can't do his job properly is hitching his wagon on a guy that everyone who is even remotely like watched football before goes, yeah, man, this guy sucks. Oh, and- hold on. Hold on. We, 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 we that's have toxic to group think. Yeah. Kevin, that's toxic, toxic group, group think. think yeah. <laughs> I would be athlete that Desmond Ritter was fourth in EPA over the last three weeks. I don't, give a, I don't give a crap. He's fourth in EPA. I watch the tape and I go, this guy's not an NFL quarterback, let alone yeah. an XFL oh, quarterback. But Kevin, they said to watch the tape. Yeah. He said they don't care about your fantasy football teams, bro. Yeah. I think I think this kind of good. Goes, I don't. I didn't draft a single Falcons player for a reason. I think this kind of goes like there's two parts with this. One, I think if you look at Desmond Ritter in a vacuum and you say, okay, eighty percent of these plays, he's fine. He's not. He's not great. He's fine. But then you have a significant turnover problem when he's the more he throws, the more exposure he gets in certain dropback situations and things like that. What does that say? That's a backup quarterback. And I and I think I I think this is more of like if we just accepted that Desmond Ritter, like if you swapped Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke, like in terms of situation, like if Heineke had kind of started the same way and Ritter came in and did most of what he's doing now, we would say, you know what? He's a young quarterback. This is a backup level quarterback, and that's fine. Most of the time, when the offense that Arthur Smith thinks he's making works, a backup ish, fine, mediocre quarterback can run it a, a little bit. But I think when you kind of perceive him as like this is a starting quarterback, all these narratives that were your pre draft hype, he was the best quarterback in that draft, yada, yada, that just hasn't come into fruition. And that's part of the issue with the Falcons plan. And if this is an Arthur Blank move, this is because he spent so much in free agency only for the team to not have the results. Or Arthur, I think I said Arthur Blank. Arthur Blank, um, yeah. 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 He spent like a lot of his money on bringing in Jesse Bates and guys like that. And the results haven't been there. So he's saying, do something or you're out and I'll get well, somebody who will. To an extent, the defense has been pretty good. The defense has been fine. It's been good. It's been a good defense. But it's just constant missteps on the offensive side of the ball. It's not like I'm cool with them, like, drafting, like, Kyle Pitts, Bijan Robinson. Like, it's the best player available thing. Not only that, but those guys are really freaking good at football. But it's – the, the main thing that we thought we talked about in the offseason was the Caleb McGarry contract. And that's that looks really bad right now because Caleb McGarry has not been good, which who could have seen this coming? Like, I, I surely couldn't have seen it coming. And outside of that, you know, like they got manhandled by Tennessee, which, of course, a lot of teams are going to get manhandled by Tennessee. That's a really good defensive front. But you start to notice a trend if – and of course, it's like a very general, like, yeah, the line of scrimmage is where games are won, but the Falcons get destroyed. There. The Falcons get destroyed if they can't run the ball. If they can run the ball a little bit, they will be in a football game. If they can't run the ball, that offense shuts down. And that's an indictment on the quarterback. Like, if you mm-hmm. it, sometimes it just feels like he did not trust Desmond Ritter. To you have the two ball. top eight picks on the outside. Like, 
it, you should be able to at least throw the ball. And they're not just two top eight picks. They're like six, five two thirty. Just put the ball in the area code. Tyler, Tyler, correction on that. Only one of them's on the outside because they are, and not to make an old joke become a thing now, uh, Kyle Pitts is just the left tackle. They don't know what they want from him. Again, the trick play that they use. (laughs) Tight end two. Oh, God. Threw the ball. Tight end three. With the highest drafted tight end ever. Blocking. Didn't they did didn't they run one where like they hand the ball off to John New Smith and they, they let him run the ball? Or am I just thinking of a play that didn't? Yeah, that, that, no, yeah, they've done that. They did a lot of John New Jets. Like, why why is why is why is Kyle Pitts? I don't know what his RAS score is, but I believe it was like a nine nine or something insane. Why is mm-hmm. John New Smith the running back on the jet sweep and not the guy who is a freak of nature? Just use your best players. Stop trying Arthur to be cute. Smith is smarter than you. That's why. That's no, he's why. not. Clearly, he's not. Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith is smarter than you. He thinks your fantasy team sucks, <laughs> and he doesn't care about your stats. Doesn't care about your takes on Desmond Ritter when you can just look at the tape. But moving on to speaking of Atlanta, uh, we got the NFL trade deadline, and the big thing that has been making a lot of news is um, Chicago. You might got a little bit of a problem. Uh, the Bears, if you hadn't heard, traded for Commanders pa- pass rusher Montez Sweat, traded a 2024 second-round draft pick, which is probably going to be very high because it's the Bears, for Montez Sweat. And my general assumption was after they made the trade was it's fine because they're going to sign him to a big ter- long-term extension that hasn't happened yet. And Montez Sweat, from Montez, Sweat? Montez Sweat has very openly said, I want it to be in Atlanta. What the fuck are you doing, Chicago? I know I told you guys in our chat, Chicago can't be this dumb. I might have underestimated Chicago. Because not only now have you traded for a guy who you will have for 10 games and doesn't want to be there, you've also alienated one of your best young defenders and a leader on the team who isn't going to get the extension because you traded for the guy who you thought were going to get the extension, but he doesn't want to be here. But again, this is just another Ryan Poles masterclass. The guy stayed up, wasn't was away from his kids and family, just grinding tape, just grinding the analytics to send a second round, of probably the 35th pick or something in the draft for a guy that you have for 10 games. So yeah. fun fact, fun fact here. They have the money to sign both of them. So mm-hmm. it's not even the Montez sweat trade eliminates the fact that they can sign Jalen Johnson. They can do both. Problem is, uh, I think it was Courtney Cronin of ESPN reported that the offer was just too low for Jalen Johnson. And Johnson wants to be paid like mm-hmm. a fringe top 10 corner, which is around 14, $15 million a year. Sounds reasonable for what Jalen Johnson has produced so far in his career. But of course, polls, and the, this Bears team is probably going to struggle to hit the salary cap floor of the 90% rolling over five years. Just sign the contract. Who cares if you pay an extra million? You need to spend money. Also, the salary cap is going to skyrocket within the next yeah. couple of years. So what? why are you pinching pennies like a mom and pop shop when you have a billion dollars? If you, you're not going to re-sign anybody. The team sucks. The yeah. funniest thing about this to me is that like, no matter what happens with this, they've successfully managed to alienate Jalen Johnson to the point that he's going to go somewhere else. Because like, not only do you not extend him, not only do you not find a way to trade him after he requests a trade on Sunday night, 
Then you go out and trade for a different player on defense that you're going to give this huge extension, except that that guy doesn't want to sign an extension, which means that now, in order to save face by making this trade, you have to franchise tag Montez Sweat, which means you can't franchise tag Jalen Johnson, which means that Jalen Johnson is just free to walk. Like, what is the point? Yeah, I think I think when if Jeremy Fowler had come out earlier this morning and said that Chicago hadn't even tried to lay the groundwork for an extension with Montez Sweat before they made the move. So it, your issue now becomes, okay, well, what if, you know, he wants, what if Montez Sweat doesn't want to stay? Jalen Johnson doesn't want to stay. You have to franchise tag one of them. What if they just say, I'm not going to sign the franchise tag. Like, I don't want to be here. Like, you can't find a player. Like, if he's he would miss all of camp and whatnot and put all the pressure on you. So you're either paying whatever that player wants because you have to save face for this trade, especially if whoever uh, Washington takes with that pick is actually good. We'll see. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll see. It'll be a new regime. Um especially if whoever they like pans out and is like instantly good. And Montez sweat is sitting there at, or one of these guys is sitting there at camp and not doing anything. And they, they could choose to not sign a franchise tag and just say, I'm not going to show up and you can't find a player that hasn't signed a contract for missing time. So mm -hmm. you, again, either have to way overpay Montez sweat is good. He's like, you're basically having to face a demand where he gets paid higher than, miles garrett which is just not equivalent right like you can't be paying 25 million a year to a guy that is a good pass rusher not a greater and elite one or jalen johnson a good corner a great corner not an elite top 10 corner and he could just say well you've alienated me if i don't want to go you're going to have to pay me well above what i would normally have gotten you know two months ago when we had this whole thing now my number is even higher and my biggest thing with the Bears just in general is, of course, this was done with different GMs and different management in the room. But the overall point of them tearing this entire thing down to the studs was for this reason, to go and get good players. You haven't been able to draft good players. You can go trade for one. It's fine to trade for Montez Sweat in a vacuum. Trading a second round pick for that guy is fine if you had the extension ready. But you don't even have that. And that guy has already said, I wanted to be somewhere else. I don't even want to be here. I, it just makes everything just... Because if you end up with Jalen Johnson and Montez Sweat leaving, you're back at square one. What what have you done outside of lose a draft pick? For and optically, optically here, JP, Chase Young went for our, our, probably a compensatory third, well, and Young is arguably better than Montez yeah. Sweat. Uh, yeah. you, can, you can at least have the conversation that Young is better than Sweat. Is he? I don't, I don't think, think it's necessarily about that as much. It's more like, like yeah, go ahead, Katzen. I was just going to say, like, I do understand, and, like, obviously that's been a big talking point because the deals happen within, like, an hour of one another. From reading tweets from people that are, like, plugged into that sort of, like, value discussion, it sounded like that was always kind of going to be the discrepancy in the asking price just because of Young's injury history. Like, he's only played 14 games the last three seasons. Um, you know, like, this is really the first season where he's looked like the guy that went with that top five pick um, back in, what was it, 2021? 2020. 2020. Um, and, like, 
it's an expiring contract. I think that he was looked at much more as a rental than as a guy that you can trade for and extend immediately. Um, Cause he's going to be someone that doesn't get as much guaranteed. Um, and so like, yes, you can have that conversation and like Chase Young has been very, very good this season. Um, but I, it seems like just from like reading the sentiment generally um, from like reporters and stuff that like Montez, what was always going to fetch more in a trade than Chase Young was just because of the circumstances, not necessarily because like the bears egregiously overpaid for someone like this. Yeah. And I don't necessarily disagree. I'm just saying optically when you could argue that Young is a better talent, like you could, you could at least have the conversation where polls overpaid, even though everything you laid out completely fine, but two players, very similar talent levels, even with everything you said to a fan base that's already frustrated with some of the things that polls has done. This is just another thing on top of that. And it's just another addendum to the resume. Yeah, For yeah. sure. And to, to Tyler's point, it kind of came out that like there were, there were a lot of contenders, a lot of offers for Montez sweat with Washington, but it was Chicago throwing in that second round pick that really caused the move. Like, like if the Washington was just yeah. like, we're just, you know what we're going to do right by the player. You know, you want to be in Atlanta. We'll we'll take whatever Atlanta will send us, right? Like, what is Chicago throwing in a second round pick completely changed the scenario for that. And so that's where I think the conversation starts with Ryan Poles. Is it's like, was he hearing? Okay, Atlanta wants him too. So this team wants him. This team wants him, and he just was like, uh, "We'll send you our second. Uh. We'll send you our second. You know, like that's this is like just bad process because. If it was a desperation move, that would explain why they didn't have a contract extension lined up with him because they right. literally decided it like right beforehand. Um, um, but the fact that Montez Sweat is now a day later coming out and saying, <laughs> I really didn't want to be here, guys. Like, just, I don't know why so you guys funny. got me. I believe his quote was something along the lines of like, yeah, they'll have to convince me. Like, you shouldn't. Be, you should be trading for a guy who okay. you'll have to convince. Okay, I got the quote from Courtney Cronin. Uh, Montez Sweat, who is from Georgia, says Atlanta was a place of interest ahead of the trade deadline. His agent told him the Falcons were in discussions of trading for him. Obviously, they wanted me. Here, they wanted me more. So this is where I am. <laughs> just not. I this is not where I am. I, I, I just... I just want to come. Shouldn't have smoked that shit. Now I'm on the Chicago <laughs> Bears. I just shouldn't have smoked that shit. Now I'm at Portillo's eating a beef sandwich and hot dog while the team goes four and thirteen. I just I, I just want to compare this real quick to what the Dolphins did last trade deadline. And they, they traded for Bradley Chubb. Well, but like so they traded for Bradley Chubb and it was announced, I think, 20 minutes afterwards, like, hey, they're signing him to a five-year, I believe it was like a hundred million dollar extension. And Bradley Chubb has not lived up to that yet. He's been better recently, but like they at least had the plan of like, we're going to trade for this guy and we're going to re-sign him immediately. We've already talked to his agent. We already know what the plan is. It, it, the fact that it didn't come out immediately that Ryan Poles and the Chicago Bears had agreed to a contract extension with Montez Sweat was already bad. Like the fact that it didn't come out during the deadline, it is made even worse when Montez Sweat is allowed to speak to the media the next day and tells the media, I didn't really want to be here. I'm just kind of here now. And he sounded like I, I did. I don't want to like go and like actually watch the interview, but he sounded kind of miserable during that quote of like, didn't really want to be here, but now I am. I'm surprised. Now you have me. 
he sounds like that average like 30 year old dad who's like yep i'm here that's that's life you know it's, me too kid like that that whole mr incredible me it's the whole like you know you can tell white people are having a really bad day when you ask them how's it going and they're just like it's going i'm here that's, yeah. that's what Montez sweat Montez sweat just did that it's he been a day it's, it's been, been a day, day. It's, it's been a day it's, it's five o'clock somewhere i feel so exposed sweat. because i say all of this all of the <laughs> <time>. <laughs> i do too <laughs> but yeah um speaking of chase young of course he goes to the san francisco 49ers who obviously just need the help for a 2024 third round pick, a comp pick. But in all seriousness, they did kind of need the help. The pass rush was lacking. Nick Bosa had not gotten off to the start that you'd hoped he did, especially after giving him all of that money. But I kind of think this gives them, well, not think, but this gives them an actual like complimentary pass rusher so you're not having to play Cleveland Farrell and Randy Gregory all the time. But it's just... I don't know if it changes my thoughts on the 49ers overall outside of just like, damn, they got another good player. I think like I actually am really in on this trade, especially if the chase on that we're getting or that San Francisco is getting, excuse me, like stays healthy. We're getting him on the podcast. Yeah. We, <laughs> we traded Sorry. for him. We Sorry, for him. no podcast. We That's why Tyler him. just left. We traded we Tyler, Tyler for Chase Young. We traded <laughs> the literal <laughs> Viking. They needed somebody for to play linebacker for them, so we sent them a, a real Viking. No, but like for San Francisco, if the Chase Young they get is the Chase Young that has played this season, that that duo of Nick Bosa and Chase Young it's going to put you in the Super Bowl. Like that, that to me, when you look at like in-season trades historically, there has only really been one that has kind of come close to this. And this was way, it was way back in the 80s with the Raiders when they got Mike Hayes and Lester Haynes. And they, I mean, granted, they paid a lot more than a comp third round pick for a diversity hire that the San Fran 49ers just sent. But like that duo right there, especially if Chase Young is healthy, and like you know, in the playoffs, if he's if he can get three and a half, four, five sacks in those games that you're playing, especially if you get the one seed and you're teeing off on whoever those lower seed quarterbacks are, because there's nobody that can block. Philly, Philly might, yeah. But last year when they played, Philly, Philly struggled in passing situations against that 49ers defensive line, and now you add Chase Young into the mix. Now they can rotate Randy Gregory and Nick Bosa in in that rotation. And then you mentioned the interior of, of Hargrave and Kinlaw, who has who has been better Kinlaw this year. Good this Kinlaw year. has been really good this year. It, it kind of yeah. surprised a lot of folks, but I think him finally getting healthy has really kind of turned the ignition on in his career. And now this 49ers pass rush goes from, well, that's a really good unit, to I absolutely piss my pants if I had to line up against the San Francisco 49ers. And you look at the rest of their schedule and, and their division. They got to play the Rams who can't pass block. Seattle has struggled blocking offensively. Granted, they've had guys hurt. Um, yeah, they, but I don't even, think they're going to get Abe Lucas back. Yeah, and no. even like that's where. And then you look at, I think something like that. And then Arizona sure as hell can't block you. Like that, this is how, this is the moves that you make. And especially like they just beat the crap out of the Dallas Cowboys who in turn, went around and beat the crap out of the Rams this weekend. The Rams are fun bad, right? They're fun bad. They didn't even look like they were playing the same game. 
against the Dallas Cowboys. And they whooped them without Chase Young. And now you add that on top. Who who can block you? Who, like, that's a defensive rotation. Like, yeah, the coverage has been has been worse this year than, than past San Francisco 49. But good luck just because, like, teams now have to be so afraid of your pass rush teeing off. They're not going to dial up those same concepts to attack you and expose your coverage units. Like, this is why teams have prioritized pass rush over coverage for so long. Well, I think... Part of the reason why the coverage hasn't been as good is because the passers hasn't been as good this year. I mean, yeah. the downgrade from Charles Aminiu to Cleveland Farrell, whatever whatever Cleveland Farrell is, um, Drake Jackson is a designated pass rusher, but he can't even see the field because you went and go you went to go trade for Randy Gregory, but now you add a guy in Chase Young who, like we've said, like he has struggled with injury, but this year he has been at his most disruptive. In terms of not only just getting sacked with pressures, getting after it against the run, but now you can get into more versatile fronts on third downs. They love the blitz and play cover one on third downs, where they'll send Fred Warner on a blitz, and you can create one on ones for Nick Bosa and Chase Young and Javon Hargrave and Eric Armstead and be like, hey, no matter who we're going up against, somebody's going to win because our four guys or our five guys are better than your five. So now you just add that to a defense who was already extremely, extremely talented. And, you know, of, you know, of course, coming off the Bengals loss where they couldn't get pressure, this is obviously a major move. My my real concern is still, though, that, like, Chase Young has only played 14 games over three seasons. And, like, if we're just playing the law of, like, injuries, like, it, it feels like something's probably coming. And, like, I we hope – obviously, I hope it doesn't happen. Like, I hope that – we're sitting here in February talking about Chase Young was healthy the entire season and made the 49ers a legitimate threat for the Super Bowl. But you're trading for a guy who comes with the injury baggage. And there weren't many options available in terms of edge rushers after Montez Sweat got traded. So like you kind of just have to make the move when you have that many third round picks. You you take the risk of, you know, if if he ends up being out for the year or whatever, it was a third round pick that we got from a diversity hire. Uh did have they said if it's the D'Amico Ryan's one or the the Catherine one or is it, it just is. gonna be the highest of it? It's it's one. It's the um, well. So if you have two, if you have two minority hires in the same year, you get uh one pick this year and one pick next year. Okay, so, deal. Yeah. so it's the pick this it's year. So stupid. That's yeah. so stupid. <laughs> that's but such an NFL thing. Because like, you yeah. you let two black people get hired. <laughs> yeah. you, don't get two, you don't get two third round picks this year. That's no, you don't get two picks. You get one pick this year, one pick next year. That's but, far too much. But so like yeah. So so like my thing is like, I mean it's really low risk. Like if he gets yeah. hurt in two weeks from now and it's like you know what? He's out for the year. It's like, well, whatever we gave up a third round pick, we've got another three down the pipeline. Like for them, there's no risk. And it puts them up in the same level of like, when we talk about the, <laughs> when, when we talk about like contenders for the Super Bowl this year, and like when we talk about like the, the chiefs and the Eagles and whether we want to put the dolphins and the bills and the Jaguars in that situation as well, like they've all got their own weaknesses I feel a little bit better about the 49ers weaknesses as of today than I did two weeks ago. Uh, now my biggest weakness is still like, is Brock Purdy going to lead you to a Super Bowl? If you ask the last two weeks, no, it's not going to happen. Like just frankly, he's been put in a prison by two different people and no one's letting him out. But one of them is Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> yeah. One of them is Kyle Shanahan. He saw those interceptions like, ah, we, might have, we this, might have to dial this thing back. This, this is where it gets kind of interesting. It's like, 
San Fran is skidding. They just made a move for Chase Young. Maybe it helps. Do, do they? Yeah, like, do they? Like, are they going to go turn to Sam Darnold at some? I don't. Point, I I don't think they will because, like, I think that everything that Shanahan has said during this season and during the offseason was like, "Hey guys, Brock Purdy is our guy." Like, let's be clear. Yeah. Like, even if Brock Purdy mm-hmm. struggles at points, we're going to work through those struggles as a as a group, and we're going to take those struggles as like, it's just during the season you're going to have struggles now. The problem is, like, when you look at every other Super Bowl contender, they've all got a quarterback who's significantly better than Brock Purdy is. And so, like, is there going to be a point in the season and in the playoffs where, like, are the 49ers going to have to ask Brock Purdy to win them a football game? Because if the 49ers have to ask Brock Purdy to win you a football game, I feel a lot less confident about the 49ers as a Super Bowl contender, even if Chase Young is healthy. So my biggest thing with the 49ers over the past couple of weeks is – they miss Debo Samuel a whole lot more than anybody tried to let on. And it's not just for Debo's just overall like Debo-ness. It's the fact that he gave the 49ers an easy button when the run game wasn't working. It's the aura. And especially aura. especially with Trent Williams out the gate out the game, the run game hasn't worked as well. So now you don't you don't have the run game. You also don't have the easy button of Debo screens and RPOs, which is basically just an extension of the 49ers run game. Now you're putting more on Brock Purdy, which is something that Kyle Shannon didn't want to do. And he doesn't want to do that with yeah. any of his quarterbacks. That's why they go sign. That's why they traded for Christian McCaffrey. They didn't want to put any more pressure on that quarterback. They're going to turn into a pumpkin. But they miss Debo Samuel a lot. I don't think they're going to turn to Sam Darnold just because, like, they can kind of say, oh, we haven't had Trent Williams. We haven't had Debo Samuel. And well, when we had when we, we've been, and when we've had those guys, Brock hasn't been that. He hasn't been and the past two weeks bad. Here's, here's the other thing is, like, if you replace a quarterback at this point in the season, you run the risk of, like, it just not working and it blowing up in your face. Like, I think at some point you just got to go with what you've got and say like, this is our team. This is who's going to lead us to the promised land. And like, you know, if he struggles, he struggles and whatever, we'll figure out that out in the off season. But you replace him now and Sam Darnold struggles. You probably can't go back to Brock Purdy and go, sorry guys, didn't mean it. Just a funny little joke that we did. Like you can't probably can't do that and have it all work to the same plan. Like at some point you just got to say like, Hey, Brock Purdy's our guy. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But like, I don't know if like bringing in Sam Darnold or bringing in well, I can't say Trey Lance. He's not there anymore. I almost said Trey Lance, but like bringing in Brandon Sam Darnold. Yes, bringing in Brandon Allen is like not going to solve the problems because like we've seen Sam Darnold play football like as a starter. Like yeah. at, at, like this isn't some new like Brock Purdy who was a seventh round pick. We're all like, hey, I will not fall special? for this. I'm not going to fall for the Sam Darnold deep fake play action. <laughs> You will, not, you will not get me on this play action, Kyle Shanahan. I know is, your game. It is kind of interesting to hear, you know, we're sitting here. All of us are, are kind of in agreement. If Brock Purdy is having to go win you the football game. They're not winning. You're not. Yeah, which is, you know, probably. like, especially especially if you, you know, you go in and you beat you know, whoever, Dallas, Philly. Who else? The Giants. You? you don't care about the rest of the NFC. Who cares? Detroit. Like if you go and you, and you oh Detroit Detroit that's no fair. scary sorry yeah. shut up yeah. Kevin um if you have to go and like out duel like you go you make it through the playoffs and it's like okay well our pass rush forced Dak Prescott to throw three picks to Fred Warner again or our pass rush you know made Jalen Hurts crap his pants in the pocket again that happened last year it happens again this year and this time we have a quarterback we can take advantage of it 
you got to go play in the Super Bowl. You're playing one of Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Trevor Lawrence. Like, are you really going to ha- – like, if it comes down to Brock Purdy has to go win you a football game against any of those four elite quarterbacks, or, or if, heck, even the Chargers are, are going, like, kind of maybe seem competent. They could fish a wild card spot. I don't know if they're going to make a Super Bowl run with – you know, what's going on there, but like <laughs> again, Justin Herbert is Justin Herbert is the kind of quarterback that can take you there, right? So, I just want to go this way and ask like, out of the perceived no. Super Bowl contenders in both conferences, oh, no. if we want to say it's like the Eagles, Dolphins, or Eagles, 49ers, Dolphins, Bills, Ravens, Chiefs, Jaguars, is Brock Purdy the only quarterback of that group that like we can sit here and go? We don't trust him to win a football yeah. game for us. Yeah. yeah. I, I win. I win. Yes. <laughs> All right. Next topic. Okay. I, I was going to be very mean. I decided not to. But yeah, just no, know. We, we can't do podcast, that episode one. We podcast can't do that episode one. Just know we will be very mean to Kevin. We're we all, are, we are all to it on. I win. But, like, go, going back to my original point, like, two years ago, like, that was the whole point of why they traded for Trey Lance. Was because Kyle Shanahan right the first, got the they got player. demolished by Josh Allen just picked apart against Buffalo and he was like I got one so, of those guys he's like so that's what it's like to have a quarterback that can do that and he was like that was the whole reason why during it's the Arthur Smith process, discovering Marcus Mariota all over again it, all of us were like they're gonna take Trey Lance they're not taking Mac Jones because Kyle Shanahan has come out and said he doesn't want that kind of quarterback and then now he's like oh yeah you know it's fine. We'll just go back with it. If it doesn't happen, guess what? I, my offense still looks looks super smart, and we're still putting I, up yards. So what does it matter? I'm here for nihilist Kyle Shanahan. Quarterback doesn't <laughs> we're all matter. Dying. Nothing we're matters. Who knows if anyone's going to be alive we're, by Sunday? We're not even <laughs> sure anyone's going to be alive Sunday. Outside zone, the Christian McCaffrey touchdown. Part of me, part part of me wants to see the 49ers go every season, just trying to find the next like mid quarterback they could use like next season they're just like hey Ryan Tannehill you want to play a season with the oh, 49ers no, the they're going to cousins next yeah yeah that, man, or, like, or it's like hey Kirk you want to give one more final ride and see if you could make this all work and then the season afterwards they're like hmm who's the I next mid quarterback funniest quarterback like, for them to actually win with there are a couple of them that I have in mind the first was Jameis Winston if they can if they can win football games with Jameis Winston, Kyle Shanahan, hang his jersey, like, hang yeah. the visor in the rafters, hang the snapback that he wears that's always a size too big, hang it in the rafters. The next one is Zach Wilson. If they if he got that his hands funny. on Zach Wilson and he ends up actually being good, that would be the funniest thing. I would. Ever. I think I'm fully on Team Jameis for the 49ers. I I would like to add one more that would be hilarious, and it's that. He trades for Taysom Hill and goes, we're going to be the ones to make him a quarterback full time. I can fix him. <laughs> and it's like, and it's like, it's like, it's it's like the first press conference. Like, hey, Kyle, why'd you trade for Taysom Hill? Well, have you seen him run? No. Do you remember the Josh Allen game from yeah. 2020? I decided to get This that. is our Josh Allen. I wanted the white quarterback who could run. It's like, but I, much, I, much worse. I really, from a, from an off the field, purely, I think, hilarious bit is seeing Kirk Cousins, like the most average Midwestern dude, have to go to San Francisco and live there as their with quarterback, his, I think would be with his, hilarious. With his kids and wife and like have to like 
<laughs> Walking down the street going, what is who is what is that? Like it's gonna be like Captain America when he first got out of the ice. <laughs> anyway, anyway oh, oh my God. outside of the two major trades and we don't really have to talk about commanders. We know what the commanders are doing by trading both. Can we talk about Donovan Peoples Jones for the next twenty minutes? No. <laughs> Why are you like? Shut up, no. Kevin. Um, no. Number two. If, either way, uh, we there are some teams that didn't make trades that you know we thought were going to. Are there any that kind of stand out to you guys who were you, you probably thought should have been more of buyers or probably should have ended up selling at this point in the trade deadline? I'm shocked the Jaguars didn't get an edge rusher. I'm shocked that like they yeah. went this entire Josh Uche, baby. And like, why so, are we still like acting like what they've got is going to work? When so, from what I from what I heard, um, they were it, they were close to getting Josh Uche, yeah. but the compensation was the thing. The Jaguars didn't want to give up a fourth round pick. The Patriots wanted a fourth for Josh Uche, and the reason the Jaguars can't give up a fourth round pick is because their fourth round pick is tied to Calvin. Ridley. Oh right, I forgot about yeah. that. The it second, third, and fourth. They don't yeah. have they don't have a second, third, and fourth trade in 2024 because yeah. it's tied up in Calvin Ridley. So the Jaguars trade deadline was Ezra Cleveland and Calvin Ridley, which <laughs> for all intents and purposes, okay. We'll take yeah, it. That works for me. Yeah, no kidding. Like, cool, man. I think I don't think there's anybody who I would have been one. in that market we, that like we've already touched on them a little bit, but like it is a little bit surprising, I guess. Less so, like, with the context of everything that happened, but, like, I do think it is a little bit surprising that the Falcons didn't make a move, just considering that, like, the direction and the philosophy of their team seems to be that they think that they can win the division this year, which they very well could. Um, obviously, we know they were in on Montez Sweat. We talked about that at length. But the fact that, like, they didn't get anything done and or, like, pivot off the Sweat thing and call the Patriots about Uche, for example, or, like, you know, try to, like, make another, like, secondary move after that fell through is a little bit surprising to me but it's not like the end of the world um but that's really the only one that i can think of i have i have a couple in, um, in terms of wait real quick aj in terms of ahead, like, yeah, not, being, ahead, not being buyers like i thought the dolphins would have made a move i i i realized why they didn't is because they've got their entire team on ir and like eventually they're gonna have to come back right uh i'm sort of eh, maybe hopefully uh toron armstead, armstead will come back for two weeks then somehow find a way to get hurt again but uh, different story for a different day. Uh, I'm shocked. Ron Armstead that... is going to step on a rake <laughs> <laughs> during like Christmas. Very, season. very, very loony to his injury is going to yeah. happen. He's going to get the home alone where he gets a paint can just like mashed across his head. I, uh, the other one that I'm like slightly surprised is not so much buyers, but shock the Patriots and the Bills didn't I sell. Thought, yeah, I thought like, the Patriots are going to sell. I, Bill I will thought... never, Bill will never admit death. <laughs> But, like, I, I thought the Broncos in particular probably had more pieces to sell. Like, Josie Jewell is probably, like, those typical, like, trade deadline linebacker acquisition. Justin Simmons is, like, a guy who gets traded. Uh, Garrett Bowles so has publicly said he doesn't want to be there. The thing with the Broncos is that, like, they beat the brakes off the Chiefs. Like, not really, but, like, they beat the Chiefs by two scores. And so coming out of that game, the sentiment was very much so, like, we, can do this. we got it figured out. We oh, can turn yeah. this around. We can make oh, They're run. stupid. Yeah. And, and like, so, like, it, 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 I'm not fair. saying that it's good reasoning. I'm just saying that, like, that, that was, like, a very public reasoning yeah. that came out after that game. And so it was a little bit less surprising, I think, with that context to see them not sell off those pieces that you had seen been rumored for, like, weeks and weeks. Because yeah. like they have one 
a couple games in a row now um and like i think they just think that like they can figure it out well yeah. i think also with the broncos in terms of like jerry judy and Gordon sutton i think they asked for too much That's I, think they, for sure. I think they wanted like first round picks for jerry judy and Gordon sutton or like first or like high seconds for both of those guys and everybody in the nfl is like good luck man <laughs> like all right dude yeah. You just saw Jerry Judy get into a verbal shouting match with Steve Smith on national television. You want, to, you, want to, you want me to trade a first-round pick for that guy? Okay, yeah. man. But I, I generally just think they asked for too much. Yeah. yeah. And like, there, there was also, like, no shot in hell they were trading Patrick Sertan. So that yeah, was that, that was that's dumb. Never happened. That was, that's that was, never that happened. That was dumb. It, like, it, to, to the Broncos' credit, like, the defense has sort of – Improved. Early on early – on, like they were still trying to run whatever was running last year. And so it was, it resembled a little bit of things that Vance Joseph wasn't really familiar with. And now the scheme has st- slowly started to transition back to what Vance Joseph is actually good at. Why they thought that that experiment could work out, I, I don't know. Everybody I mean, wants to run a Fangio tree yeah. without a Fangio, without Fangio or Aaron right. Donald. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and and so like to their credit, like it, it is starting to kind of come on. And if the defense was like remotely alive in the first six weeks of the season, with the way that with what Russell Wilson has been like putting out at quarterback, you, you'd like they they're certainly not you know but, two three win team at that point. But, you know, but, but, but my question fair, is like, like, what are you what are you fighting for? Because you're not making the playoffs this year. Let's be brutally honest. We're just not making the playoffs this year. So like, and it, moving these guys right now, if like, you're Sean Payton, your whole thing is your image. Like and, and like not, like now you have to win it's because not just they've the traded fact that, for you. Yeah, it's not just the fact they're like I don't give a crap can't. about image. There, there's no, no need for image if you're not going to make the postseason. It's not just the image. Sean Payton is the second highest paid coach in a major American sports. Oh, Russell God. Wilson is still paid a whole lot of money. You don't get you don't pay Russell Wilson 150 million dollars or however much guaranteed. To take yeah. the season, because if you take yeah, the season you, for a quarterback, what are you going to do with them? It, it doesn't right. have to be for and quarterback. I, it could be for help anywhere else on the football field. I think that I think that this is the thing about like why the Chiefs game in particular was so important to them is that like you have all of this investment tied up already. Like you've made these decisions already. If there's any inkling of hope that those decisions are going to work out, you need to ride that out because otherwise, like there's a chance that you pull the plug on it too soon and admit that you're wrong when you're not right. And I'm not saying that like them beating the chiefs means that like, they're going to be playoff contenders or anything like that. But from an ownership perspective, from George Patton's perspective, from Sean Payton's perspective, like everyone in the building, right? Like you win that game and it seems like things are starting to turn around. You traded the the pick for Sean Payton. You paid Russell Wilson $200 million. Like, you have to see that through. And if it doesn't work out at the end of the season, then you can revisit that conversation at the end of the season. I'm not even sitting here, like, saying trade Justin Simmons, trade Pat Sertain, trade even Garrett Bowles, but, like, trade Josie Jewell. Like, just get something for a dude who is, like, just going to be replaceable. Well, if if that defense is coming on, it's because Josie Jewell's really good. Like, he's a a valuable part of that locker room. But the the point is, like, the point for me is, like, it is less about, like, blowing it all up and going, hey, guys, we have to draft the next quarterback, whether it's, like, Drake May or whatever, whoever the quarterback is. 
to me, it's more so like try and give yourself more picks. Try and give yourself a fighting chance at building a coherent roster that's younger, that isn't tied up to big time contracts, that you know is a little bit more sustainable as a product on the field. And like that's where you could have treated this trade deadline as not so much like selling and going, hey guys, everyone's available. This is a garage sale, but more so like you're listing some players up on Facebook Marketplace and going, hey, these guys aren't like long-term answers for us, but like but you can still I do mean, that in the offseason. They did that. They did that. They did put yeah. they put Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton up for trade. Well, they just asked sorry, for a first round. Pick. Sorry. I don't want a dude who Steve Smith called Phileo Fish but on live the, television. I think it's the fact they, they just they asked for way too much. One. Second, I think like AJ and Alex have said, the Chiefs win specifically and the way that they did it holding the Chiefs to nine points, getting five turnovers. It kind of was a sign that the defense was coming around. Getting Baron Browning back healthy, who was awesome. That helps turn up the pass rush. That was kind of missing for a little bit. It's kind of MIA. Oh, trust me, I saw it. <laughs> they, they still don't have a second corner, but that's something, you know, now you can say, hey, we got all of our guys healthy. Let's let's see what we can do. It's not it's not about like for them. It's just not about making like the playoffs. It's more just not looking like and, not looking like a laughing stock. Yeah, and, and in theory, mm-hmm. like they still have an outside shot of making it. It it, it it's oh, okay. slim, but you know with with whatever the Browns are doing. At oh, that's that's a, that's the team I'm going to get to. I, that's the one but, so we I we just, could we could kind of cut the the Denver I just, conversation. I, in, well, I I, I just want to say like they've got holes on their roster. We all agree they don't have the picks to fill those holes. They've got a first, a third, and then a whole bunch of day three picks. Like this was the opportunity to get picks to build something that. Well, you need a second corner here. You've got the picks to go get a second corner. You need. Well, they've 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 tried. They they you, drafted Demari Mathis in the fourth round and things like that. Yeah, yeah. just hasn't they, like they drafted and Riley like, Moss. You, and, you can yeah, still do that this off season. Yeah. Like you can you I can ride like it out the rest of the season, I, I think, see what happens, kind of, and then still trade those guys. I but I, I, I do just want to say that like I think the value is higher at the deadline than it is during the draft because desperate teams are going to trade a little bit more for some of these guys who can help them win a Super Bowl this year or help them. Make a playoffs yeah. and then from there we'll see what happens. But whatever, I don't yeah. want to talk about the problem so, any longer. The one team that I was going to say I was surprised didn't do more. I was surprised the Browns didn't do more at the quarterback spot because oh. they currently have tried. They currently have El Hombre Desagradable at quarterback <laughs> and PJ Walker, who is really bad. Dorian Thompson they, Robinson. They have DTR who looked really bad. I I hated that for my brand. <laughs> I, to be to be fair, he went up against the Ravens, but that was really bad. Yeah. It's just at this, you're you're technically not out of it, but it also just you're feels not in like it either. you're not in it. But it you're feels just kind of like, there. It feels like Kevin Stefanski has done all he can do with the quarterback that he's been giving. Well, that he's they, been given. Like to to their credit, they did try with Jacoby Brissett. Like they did kick the yeah. tires on Jacoby Brissett. It was just Washington thing of, was like, hmm, yeah, Washington was like, well, we want to keep him. Now, I will say, like, I think that they probably should have kicked the tires on Josh Dobbs and been like, no, no, but they, they need someone. They need someone who's better than Josh Dobbs is worse than PJ Walker. Than PJ Walker. Like that's no, he's worse than PJ Walker. Every meaningful stat. <laughs> I don't give a oh, oh, the passing yards are. I don't give a fuck about the passing yards. No, like, I'm no. Not, Josh not Dobbs has been statistically the worst <laughs> the quarterback in the play. Like you just said, you don't. 
Like, so you just don't care about any of the stats. Okay, let's turn on the game. Let's turn Josh on the game. has been <laughs> the worst quarterback in the yeah, NFL yeah. this year. And, to, and, and, and the problem with the Browns as well is it's like everybody knows – that you're trying to get a quarterback, which yeah, is why, which is why Washington was like, "Well, you're going to have to send yeah. us a, a day, a day two pick, because if you want one that badly, you're going to have to pay for it." And the Browns were like, "We already paid enough for a quarterback. Let's right not <laughs> like the, the or you already have is. limited capital enough as it is." The, the I, I really, like... it's kind of interesting to me. It's like now you look at the free agency pool, and it is. <laughs> Carson Wentz. It, it really like I I just looked this up because the Rams issues with Stafford and having to dresser sign win. whatever a dresser win is that you know like it's not dresser win is what I say after I go to IKEA. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But so, like, so, it's, so it's it's what's really like rocking a hard place is it's like what happens now if if Deshaun Watson comes back. I, that was a terrible pun with the hard place in Deshaun Watson. I'm sorry. Well, but like if, if Deshaun Watson comes back and is is awful again, now it's like, well, you should have probably paid the third round pick for Jacoby Brissett because the rest of your team was really good at shutting everybody out, but you scored seven points a game. Well, here's your quarterback. Here's, here's the other thing: is like to some degree, like I get the idea of like, well, they should trade for a quarterback. They don't have one outside of Jacoby Brissett. Do we feel like there was even an option available? Because, like, no. ev- ev- everyone's going to say Jameis Winston, the New Orleans Saints are still competing for a playoff spot. And so they're I not going to trade their backup quarterback. Locker room headaches. <laughs> like, I've, I've... <laughs> yeah, we could talk about the locker room with Deshaun Watson. That would be the funniest. That would be hilarious. That would be the locker room of all time. <laughs> <But> like, <laughs> yeah, that would definitely be one of them. But like, there, one is, of the locker uh, there is no other option. What are you going to do? Trade for Malik Willis? Trade for Skylar Thompson? Andy like, Dalton. <laughs> no, okay, I mean, like, that is you that could quick, probably get Andy Dalton, but I mean, I like wouldn't, wouldn't so, really fixes anything. But. I will say too that like I, I think that like yes, the Browns are still competing for a playoff spot, and so it like kind of like warps the imagery of like what they should be trying to accomplish. But like I I don't necessarily think that like they're that concerned with like the rest of this. Like Nick Chubb is still out for the year. Like they, they have a bunch of like they have contributors that are that are not going to be playing this is not like the year to go all in this is not the year to like spend an asset on a quarterback that's going to play 10 games just so that like you can make the wild card and get blown out by the dolphins like that's not like the the point of this season really i from my perspective at least looking at cleveland right and so like from that perspective i i totally understand why they didn't make a move i think that they their plan seems to just be like let's roll with pj walker understand that we're limited and like just see what we can get out of him because stefanski has to his credit won games with walker in the lineup even if it hasn't been pretty um and then when watson comes back like you have a stretch of divisional games coming up against the ravens and the steelers um and like if watson comes back and plays okay even then like then you can worry about like what the, re- the rest of the season looks like from there. But I think that like with Chubb out and like not coming back for the rest of this year, like it's not really like a contending year for them. I but think. I think my thing and the last thing on this is: is Deshaun Watson going to come back? They've been. That's well, another. 
he, there's he, another injury that he did practice today. He did practice today. He practiced last week too. And yeah, I mean, like I think like naturally, JP, they are just going to slow play this because you don't want to rush him back and then have him re-injure that back. And it's talking about like what's rather a two week or three week thing is like now the whole season thing and. It's the thing that like other coaches have mentioned who are like fighting for playoff spots or fighting for the Super Bowls. Like we're not going to rush our guys back because their two or three week injury could become season ending, and we can't replace right. season ending injuries. We yeah. can replace production for two weeks. Like they've done enough with PJ Walker through two weeks that like they probably feel comfortable enough to run him another week or two. But I I do sort of agree with Alex in that like this is probably not the year where you go trade a third round pick for Jacob Brissett because. Your running backs are still Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt yeah. and Pierre Strong Jr. Like dude, that's just not going to change. So I guess I think- my biggest thing with this is, you know, and it's going to be a thing. The defense. I don't know if the defense is going to carry over next year. Like, yeah, that's defense yeah. is very. That, no, that is can sometimes be very volatile. Like we've seen it with the Browns this year. They went from really bad to, to really good. Really good. Like that's that's just not something like you can consistently carry over. So if you have it while Smoke them while you got them. Like yeah, dude, like yeah. I think I think I would like to see what Dorian Thompson Robinson can do uh, with a full when when he's like actually knows he's going to be the starter with a full week and, against not the yeah, Ravens. And, yeah, against <laughs> no, a non Ravens football team. Yeah, and like because he he like had no idea he was even going to start until like yeah. the day of the game. Like and the, sure. so the whole game plan isn't even based around what he can do. Either. Yeah, it's really just sort of like building. It's, it's, so that's like where making plays off. I would of kind of like to see, point. like, if the Browns start to lose, I have a feeling they would turn to DTR as the full time just to see what you got. Because at that point, it's an evaluation year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, but, that's that's just kind of my last point with I, the Browns. It, like, it, it, with the Browns carrying over, like Jim Schwartz will be back. He doesn't want to be a head coach anymore. Yeah. He's he's, he's publicly said he does not want to be yeah. a head coach. He's like, I hate it. And the fact that he's like, I would choose to stick with Miles Garrett. That's the worst job in the world. Yeah. I would choose to stick with Miles Garrett because that's fun as hell. Like, you're like, yeah, I get to draw fun and stuff for this freakazoid of a player. I get to let him jump over the log stapper and just be like, okay, that's the thing we do now. (laughs) We're going to line him up over the center and he's going to Allen Iverson cross up like (laughs) Ethan Pochick in the, in, practice and it's just going to look cool I, as hell i, I, I do totally sort of agree with that. jp though too too if like you do kind of still have to try and make the playoffs and see what happens because this defense is playing at a high level and if they catch For fire sure. at the right point and they start shutting teams out and playing like really good football you can make the you can make the super bowl like we've seen that before like yeah. whether it's a thing that happens you don't know but I think that there is still value in like making the playoffs and seeing like, can this defense carry me for three, four games in that series and just be enough? Because if that's the case, then you're making the Super Bowl. But I, I do also sort of get the point of like, you're not going to trade a day two pick for 10 games of Jacob Brissett because he also yeah. is not the savior. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I have, I have one last point on, on, not on the Browns, but like going back to our original way back discuss of like, the trade deadline teams that we thought should have. I was a little surprised Arizona didn't sell off more. Well, what else are you selling off? Jalen Thompson, Buda Baker is still on the roster. DJ Humphreys is still on the roster. Like I, I, I'd have, I haven't taken a full look at the cap ramifications of it, but if you're selling, 
I think you, well, you I find think a way Dobbs, to make it work. I think the Dobbs trade was more of a signal that Kyler's back. Yeah, Kyler's and, back, yeah. and he's going it's to be not the dude just, for the rest of the year. Yeah, it's not just like a oh, we're tanking or we're throwing in the towel. This is more. I just, think we need to make room for the guy. I think the other thing is like Arizona's going to try and remain competitive, and I don't know if they think this or not, but like maybe they think to some degree like hey, we've got two good picks next year. Like, if we hit on those, this is a completely different roster. Like, I don't agree with that. Let's be clear. Like, I'm not going to say to you and agree the fact that, like, they're going to magically be a playoff team in a year just because they draft Caleb Williams or Drake May and Marvin Harrison Jr. or whatever. But, like, I think that part of it's, like, we want to remain competitive. We don't want to, like, signal the idea of, like, hey, guys, the season's over. Pack it up. Thanks for coming. Yeah. I think to a certain extent, too, you want to evaluate Kyler Murray in like a reasonable environment yeah, in, and not in, in like one where, where he's the, the only player on the team. Where, yeah, where the that. defense still is playing pretty well. The offense still has Hollywood Brown, who's been playing really well this season, and like Trey McBride or whatever. And like uh, James Connors, like thinking is like they're thinking, I think Connors set to come back soon from the IR. Yeah, like, I think so. Yeah. So like they have pieces to evaluate everyone on that roster, and so yeah, that's a fair point. It, if you're going to be bad, like, and they're going to be bad regardless of if Kyler Murray's playing or if Clayton Toon's playing or if Dresher Wynn gets signed to the Cardinals active roster and has to play a game, like they're still going to be bad regardless. So you yeah, can evaluate cool. the roster and just be like, hey guys, if Kyler Murray's really good, then we've got two top five picks and we don't need a quarterback. I was going to ask, like, in the case, in the scenario where Kyler Murray plays well, but the the Cardinals are still bad, and they don't take they don't take a quarterback at that no. point, um, you, unless you like or, you yeah. trade down, I think, and just get all those picks and be like, hey, we're just going to draft six, seven guys in the first two right. rounds and go, yeah. hey guys, it, it's going to work. Kind of dicey because if you look at the remainder of Arizona's schedule, you've got Cleveland, Atlanta, they can. If if Kyler is healthy, maybe Houston. Probably. I kind of lean 50, the, Ram, the Rams. Who, who oh knows? boy, the Steelers. Wins. But then they close with San Fran at Chicago, at Philly, and Seattle. Yeah, so, you're you're like, gonna lose games you're at this year, most winning like four games. Yeah, like yeah. unless, I, I unless think you get a surprise Dallas, where like San Fran doesn't show up to the game. Yeah, like you know, or something like that. But I, I think they realize that like they're just going to be bad this year, regardless of who's playing. And so you can use this to evaluate everything and be like, "Hey, is Buda Baker a fit for what we want to do long term? Is uh, Hollywood Brown or like whatever? Are these guys fits for what we want to do long term?" And I think that's probably the right way to play this with just how bad that roster is in general. Three, two, one. Thank you guys for listening to the first episode of Sorry No Podcast today. A fun way to have a nice conversation about football. Make sure you continue to check us out as we continue to drop different episodes on all kinds of topics throughout the football landscape, including the National Football League and all levels of the NCAA. Make sure you follow us all on social media, which will be in the show notes. And we will be back next week at minimum, and that that can include multiple different shows on anything you can think of topic-wise. God bless and take care.